previously on Texas Twiggy. Two years after she had read The Frog Prince while on the cocaine-addled Maltese set of Popeye, Shelley Duvall's fairytale theater released its first episode on the Showtime network. In the span of those two years, Shelley had established her first production company, Platypus Productions, and produced, narrated, and filmed introductions in 26 episodes of fairytale theater. Ryan says that Shelley's favorite topic of conversation is that, the empire of children's content she created in the 80s and 90s. A piece that ran in several local papers in 1985, a great example of how the media treated and viewed her even in her heyday, shows us a passionate and driven Shelley, fresh off two excruciating movies, Popeye and The Shining, ready to pursue a dream that didn't involve OSHA violations and post-traumatic stress issues. She said, If you wanted to watch children's programming, you'd go to the children's venue, and there would be Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and maybe Shelley Vision. I would love to do that. It can't just be the big guys creating new networks. Shelley dreamt of a children's network with high-quality, well-produced content for the young and the young at heart. She went so far as to register Shelley Vision Incorporated in 1998, but it was dissolved in 2003 without ever becoming a network. Maybe this storied departure from Los Angeles for the reclusive private ranch in Texas held within it the answers I was looking for. Just then, I got a message from Xavier. A few hours earlier, as I was compiling interviews, I'd texted him on a whim. Any way I could get Shelley's personal number? Sure, he said, and sent me a Texas number and a prayer emoji. Oh my god, I said aloud to the zero other cars in the vitamin shop parking lot. I have Shelley Duvall's personal phone number. Please leave your message. Welcome to episode 9 of Texas Twiggy, a podcast about Shelley Duvall. I'm Emma Lehman, a longtime Shelley admirer and the producer and narrator of this podcast. Today, we're tackling the thing I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting for that Dr. Phil episode. A couple items before we embark on this one. First, and this will become abundantly clear, I am biased. Like, I really do not like this man, Philip McGraw, and I think what he and his team did to Shelley was despicable and morally corrupt. And I'll be fully transparent here, my goal is to get you to see that too. Second, I did a lot of looking into Phil and his history, but for various reasons decided that all that background would be better suited to a separate episode. If you want to listen to that Dr. Phil episode, which goes into detail about some of his shady practices and the history of his show, it's up right now as a Patreon bonus mini-episode at patreon.com slash texastwiggy. Now let's get into it. When Shelley disappeared, there was pretty sparse media coverage. A disappearance, after all, is not in itself an event. It's not until the person has been gone for some time that you can even consider it a disappearance, and by then the problem is that nobody cares anymore. Think about it. 
The way you find out that celebrities have aged or gained weight or what have you is when it runs in a tabloid. And it only runs in a tabloid when they emerge back into the public or some newsworthy event catches them in the crosshairs. So by the time 2016 rolls around, Hollywood has somewhat forgotten about Shelley. It's been 14 years since she was last in something, and she's still mostly known as the woman from The Shining. Google Shelley Duvall in 2015, and you'd get clips of The Shining and a few articles about children's television. But you'll also find a few pages into your hypothetical Google search, this one forum for fans of actor Jeff Bridges. Yeah, well, the dude abides. It reads like a bunch of tipsy men discussing a suspected witch in Salem, Massachusetts, in a saloon during the 1600s Salem witch trials. This is where the speculation began. Talked to Shelley Duvall in Blanco, Texas for three hours today. She's not doing well, and it seems many people have turned their back on her. She said she would let me do a video interview sometime. She did seven Robert Altman films, filmed Popeye in Malta, Talked about The Shining with Jack and Stanley Kubrick. I want to do something to help her and just have not figured out how to go about it yet. Any suggestions? Shelly has been screwed out all her fairy tale theater rights by guess who? Lawyer. If there is a basement in hell, it'll be full of lawyers or priests. She is very unhealthy and seems to have many problems. She is also one of those people that seems to have had some trouble with people taking advantage of her. Maybe it's like Streetcar Named Desire, where Blanche says, I depend on the kindness of strangers. Except Shelley is seeing more strangers than kindness. Rogan. Twice now I I've just met her saw in Blanco. That you had responded. Hard to understand home, sometimes. I called her brother to find out more about her. It is a very delicate subject. All I want is the best to come to her. The fact that she lost fairy tale theater and many other things to me is heartbreaking. And it is strange to look at someone that you've seen on film so much and only recognize that little area around the eyes. It was really great to talk about her life. Would love to do a video someday of her talking about her life. But her family and boyfriend don't want it. It might be a case of someone wanting to help, but being thrown into a group of those that have hurt her, I do understand it though. Thanks again. In 2009, the infamous tabloid The National Enquirer visited Shelley's house, interviewing her for a piece that ran with the title, Shelley Duvall Demented. The Shining star Shelley Duvall thinks aliens are living in her body, as first revealed by The National Enquirer in a blockbuster expose. In 2009, reporters for The Enquirer found the disheveled and confused-looking Shelley Duvall, star of the classic horror movie The Shining, trapped in her own living nightmare as concerned neighbors in her tiny Texas town claimed that she desperately needs help. The once reed-thin actress had packed on about 75 pounds since her Hollywood glory days and lives the life of a near recluse in a ramshackle home off a dirt road outside Blanco, Texas. Shelley, now 67, was also still clinging to her dream 
of returning to acting, although her last movie role was in 2002. This is how I suspect the Dr. Phil team found Shelley. This now defunct forum from 2010 where locals both expose and express concern for her, which gave rise to the Inquirer piece. It had to be. Because other than those two, there is really nothing on her after 2002, with 2003 to 2009 being a complete black hole. That was until 2016, when Dr. Phil sank his pale, clammy tendrils into Shelley's life. Neither I nor her brothers are sure how Phil's team found her, but they cornered a woman pleading for help, literally kidnapped her from her home, and made her a spectacle for the masses. Let's back up. The Dr. Phil Show is a daytime television show whose premise is staging a therapy session between Dr. Phil, who holds a doctorate if we're being technical, but who is not licensed to practice therapy, and the person or people of interest for that particular episode. Phil is careful to impress upon us that what he's offering is not therapy. It's self-help, it's life advice, it's coaching, but it's not therapy, because that would be illegal. But he's known for sending his guests, especially those who are young, suffering from substance use disorders, or famous, to quote-unquote treatment ranches. New at 5, a 19-year-old says she was sexually assaulted by a staff member at a Garfield County Center for Troubled Teens. Without getting too deep into the lawsuits, the abuse allegations, and one actual murder that occurred at a treatment center to which he is still sending teens to this day, it's safe to say that if the Dr. Phil team pulls up to your place in their black GMC and tells you to hop in, you probably shouldn't. But Shelley was desperate when the show approached her. It's been reported that she asked them for help. And in the clips of Phil's interview with her, she pleads for help as well. This is a woman in need. A woman whose years of reclusion may have gotten to her, maybe a woman who just wanted a friend. But what Shelley neither wanted nor needed was what the Dr. Phil team did to her and her family. Wow, it's gorgeous out. What a beautiful day to subscribe, rate, and review Texas Twiggy on your favorite podcasting platform. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Radio Public. Wherever you're listening, it helps out a lot if you follow, subscribe, review, rate, and comment on the show. Texas Twiggy wouldn't be what it is without you. The, the Dr. Phil thing. Yeah. That... When I asked Shane about Shelley's appearance on Dr. Phil, he became visibly agitated. Now, Shane is a pretty measured dude. None of the questions I asked flustered him. Even as we dipped onto and off of the enormously complicated freeway, he never cursed another driver under his breath. But this whole thing, it got yeah. under his skin. That was, that was just, it was just terrible. I mean, you know... I mean, Dan apparently wasn't there at the house, and they just w went to her house. And it wasn't even Dr. Phil, you know, it was like his representatives or something, you know, and they just picked her up, and, you know. <clears throat> they left a note on the counter 
saying that she was going out to California to do the Dr. Phil show. Dan, Shelley's roommate and possible boyfriend, depending on who you ask, wasn't home when the team showed up at Shelley's sprawling Texas ranch. She was really upset. My mom was crying. To hear Shane tell it, they barged in, took Shelley, and left a note on the kitchen counter for Dan. And for them to just go pick her up and leave a friggin' note on the counter in the house for Dan to see, and Dan got home and he thought my mom knew something about it, so he, he called my mom and said, you know, what, what is this? You know, Dr. Phil said, you know, and my mom didn't know anything about it, and she got pissed. You know, she was on the phone immediately trying to find out what was going on. Did they contact you at all? Mm-mm. They didn't contact anybody. They didn't even ask Dan, who's, you know, he's effectively her husband, you know. Didn't, didn't tell anybody, you know. Didn't, I mean, you know, and, do you know if they even paid her for it? Or? I have no, I have no clue. I mean, they put her on a flight, you know, and, and she was had a hard time flying out there. And then they had to put her on a flight and send her right back, you know. I'm not going to play clips of Shelley on Dr. Phil on principle. It's not too difficult to find online, but I would really encourage you not to. Xavier, the documentary filmmaker, has himself never seen these clips. He told me it would upset him too much, and besides, he already talks to her on the regular. He knows Shelley. Far more, anyways, than the Dr. Phil show ever did. Now, I'm not going to plow forward with the argument that Shelley is not ill. Even those close to her agree that she has mental health struggles. But if anything, that makes her appearance on Dr. Phil worse. The episode was never aired because backlash to the previews was so strong. But in the clips you can find, Shelley looks wide-eyed and scared, like a helpless puppy. I do not doubt that the team lured her there with promises of treatment and compassion, only to use and exploit her for good old salacious daytime television. She talks discursively about the Bermuda Triangle, characters from her children's shows, and how she can't sleep. As she pleads with him for help, for treatment, Phil sits stiffly in his chair and gazes at her skeptically. Mm-hmm, he repeats, not so subtly guiding her down a rabbit hole of paranoid thought. Later, they stuff her in the back of a transport vehicle as she cries, Leave me alone. It's heart-wrenching. And the whole time, I just imagined Dan coming home to find a note on the counter and Shelley's mother calling up the show to ask what the hell had happened. Even though the episode never aired, the Dr. Phil appearance had a profound effect on Shelley's psyche and hurled her back into the public eye. Suddenly, that woman from The Shining was back in the spotlight. Shelley Duvall had gone crazy. This was the interview that piqued Ryan's concern. So when the Dr. Phil interview happened, um, you know, I can't, I think a friend sent it to me because, you know, they knew that I was really into The Shining and three women and, and uh, Fairfield Theater. 
so they let me know about this interview and I and I saw some of it and yeah it was pretty troubling it was like this woman in distress kind of being put on the spot on display almost it felt you know pretty exploitative and so I think that's the general consensus I think they've even retracted that episode you know which is I think a great move but um and that I think precipitated a lot of people having her back on their radar. A lot of you know, the Hollywood community, I think, like uh, Stanley Kubrick's daughter, Vivian, you know, got involved in you know trying to raise funds. It's true. Vivian Kubrick unleashed a biting critique of Dr. Phil on Twitter and started a GoFundMe page for Shelley. The only problem was Vivian Kubrick is actually a Scientologist, and Scientologists do not believe in mental illness. The GoFundMe was disbanded when Kubrick could not clarify where the funds were going and how they would get to Shelley. Which is really a shame, because anybody who rips this exploitative, Botox-frozen, mustachioed visage a new one on Twitter would normally be someone I could wholeheartedly get behind. Remember when Phil compared the COVID-19 pandemic to people dying in swimming pools in order to suggest lockdowns were overblown? I digress. Hey there, listener. I hope you're enjoying Texas Twiggy. If you are, consider supporting the show on Patreon, where patrons get bonus content like podcast update podcast episodes, a fun sticker, archival material, shoutouts, and more. Today's bonus episode goes into Dr. Phil and his show, and it gets contentious. Go to patreon.com slash Twiggy to donate now. As the days went on, I called Shelley's number relentlessly. I even turned off the thing on my phone that silences robocalls out of fear that I'd block that magical call from Blanco, Texas. I got a lot of warranty calls. I called in the morning, I called at night. I called twice in one day sometimes, other days I gave it a rest. I called from my cell phone, from hotel phones, even tried blocking my number. But at a certain point, I backed off. The line between investigative journalism and stalking can get blurry. Remember Richard Simmons and Dan Trubersky? And I didn't want to risk crossing it. After all, to Shelley, my calls are no more or less welcome than those warranty calls. But still, I had this thirst. This question that hadn't been answered, a mystery that hadn't been solved. I'd been oscillating around Shelley for months, and to my own credit, I'd gotten closer than I ever thought I would. First her friends, and then her family. Her brothers, man, that was the kicker. Not only did they have Shelley stories I'd heard nowhere else, but the fact that they trusted me and my intentions meant, and still means, the world to me.
The first time I spoke with Shane, he told me he'd never done an interview about his sister before. I've been very private all my life about my sister and because we're real tight. And, and yeah, she's had her ups and downs through her whole life, you know, personal, family, and, you know, in the movie industry and productions and all that. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. What made you choose me? I asked. He shrugged. Felt like you were, you know, wanted to be respectful and all that towards mm-hmm. my sis, you know, you know, rather than some crazy person. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, that's well. I, I appreciate that you don't think I'm a crazy person. It's a good, a good start. So Shelley's brother didn't think I was a crazy person. Like I said, a pretty good start. And I'd gotten some news from Xavier on his most recent trip to Shelley's. She had that one letter I wrote, the single one that hadn't bounced, in her purse. Shelley had my words in her hands. So now she'd heard about the project from Ryan, Xavier, and both of her brothers. I had an open invitation for dinner, enchiladas, with Stu and Shane Duvall. I had a desk strewn with Shelley clippings, memorabilia, CDs, VHS tapes. I had gigabytes and gigabytes of notes and a four-inch binder stuffed to the gills. What else could I do? Other than, you know, driving myself from the heart of Los Angeles to Hill Country, Texas, with nothing but a dinner invitation, a suitcase full of energy drinks, and an audio interface. Next time on Texas Twiggy. Texas Twiggy is reported, narrated, and produced by me. Emma Lehman. Our music is created and mixed by Olivia Springberg. Our research consultant is Sarah Lukowski. Special thanks to Avery Erskine for transcribing interviews, giving notes on endless drafts, and proofreading scripts. Thank you to my patrons, Ken Lehman, Dana Edwards, Dwayne Lehman, Jen, Jose Armenta, Justine Springberg, Kelly Alasser, Liz Wheeler, Xavier Hamill, Kathleen Axe, Kavid Dacity, Dan Travis, Holly, Sarah Elizabeth, Sharon, and Sophia Polito. Join me next week, and don't forget to rate and review Texas Twiggy on your podcast player of choice.